Wednesday, September 26, 2012, episode number 18 of the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. They're out to the right. Takes the lone receiver to the left. The Packers play it at the goal line. As Wilson scrambles to keep it alive. The game's final play is a Wilson lob to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who they give it to? Touchdown! One guy goes up, touchdown. The other said no time. Has to be looked at because it's a score. Still have an official down there in the pile looking. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the, it's the end of the world as we know it. It's, it's the end of the world as we know it. Yes, it is the end of the world as we know it. Packers offensive lineman T.J. Lang tweeted after the debacle Monday night, got bleeped by the refs. Embarrassing. Thanks, NFL. Bleep it, NFL. Find me and use the money to pay the regular refs. Reggie Bush, running back in the Miami Dolphins. These refs gotta go. I'm sorry. NFL commentator and former quarterback Troy Aikman. These games are a joke. Bill's wide receiver David Nelson. So much to say. So little room in the pocketbook. Hashtag, good night. Cardinals defensive lineman, Darnell Dockett. This is what the NFL has come down to. And yet they tell you to respect the shield? Laugh out loud. But they'll try to find us for everything we do. Texans running back, Arian Foster. Drama, great for business. Godspeed, Ed Hockley. Tight end, Vasante Shanko. As an NFL player, knowing how much goes into this game, it's demoralizing and hurts. Falcons wide receiver Roddy White. Rodgers got some explaining to do tomorrow. Hashtag, please pay the refs. And Saints quarterback Drew Brees, I love this game and love the game of football, but tonight's debacle hurts me greatly. This is not the league we're supposed to represent. Those are just a couple of the countless tweets that came out around the National Football League at the end of Monday night's game. ESPN reported yesterday, Tuesday, that the NFL League offices field 70 thousand phone calls. Yep, that's right. 70,000 phone calls in the short after in the short hours in the following hours, excuse me, after Monday night's absolute debacle. What a joke and it finally happened, folks. This is how we're starting the show. Football Nation today, episode 18, footballnation.com. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer. We'll get on with our regularly scheduled programming. We'll go first down, second down, third down, Reamer rant in the fourth down, but we're starting with the referees, making it a whole separate segment because it's this important. We ranted and raved about it last week on the show. We've been highlighting this since game one of the preseason, but it's real now, folks. It's real. The excuses are over because it finally happened. It finally happened. The inevitable finally occurred indisputably Monday night. The replacement officials cost a team a football game. The Packers flew 6,000 miles to Seattle and were robbed from a victory by the referees. MD Jennings came down with the interception. Replay showed it was clear as day. Now, while watching the ESPN telecast last night, it was, at, it was originally explained that since the play occurred in the end zone, it was explained that simultaneous possession could not be reviewed in the end zone. The referees ruling on the field, touchdown, stood. 
the referees could only review whether it was incomplete or not. That's what we were told on Monday night. However, Tuesday afternoon, the NFL released an official statement backing up the replacement officials, saying the only error they made was they should have called a pass interference on Golden Tate, who shoved Sam Shields to get, uh, to get free in the end zone there in the final Hail Mary. But the NFL statement said, call stands, touchdown. It states a simultaneous catch rule was reviewable since it occurred in the end zone. So I guess ultimately a simultaneous catch is reviewable, which means the replacement referees, those scabs on Monday night, got it wrong twice. They got it wrong in real time, and they got it wrong even more egregiously on the replay. And what's even more egregious than that is, of course... One replacement ref ruled touchdown, and he ruled first, which is why that was the call made on the field. But the other Jamoke, instantaneously, a split second after, waved his hands for the touchback. Interception in the end zone, of course, end the game, touchback. The two referees had disputing calls. The two line judges didn't converse, but what call they were going to make. So the guy who ruled touchdown won. Why? Because he ruled touchdown first. But it's amazing. Even after replay, that simultaneous catch rule, since it did occur in the end zone, the NFL said, was reviewable. They got it wrong on replay. Unbelievable. And I hate talking about these rules, too. I mean, since when did watching the NFL, since when did watching Monday Night Football turn into, you know, a course on constitutional law? I mean, really, <laughs> watching ESPN telecast... All these uh, circular rules explanations, it's like you're in a constitutional law seminar. My God. Yeah, in case you don't know, referees and owners still haven't agreed on a deal. And if they don't by tomorrow, Thursday, we'll have another week of replacement officials. Because the Browns and Ravens, of course, will kick off week four tomorrow night. And as I said last week on the show, got some comments on the comment page on footballnation.com. We appreciate the banter. That's what the show is meant to do, generate discussion. Had a commenter point out that the owners have a right to collectively bargain against the referees. The owners have a right to demand whatever they want from the referees. Because this is a capitalistic society. And I say to you, sir, on the comment page, you're right. This is a capitalistic society. And the owners have a right to do what they're doing. They have a right to shove the referees around. They have a right to tell the referees, no. We want to change your pension plan. We don't care that you were guaranteed this pension plan when you were hired. We're going back on our word because, after all, times are tough. Revenues are only a little north of $9 billion. Eh, we need to cut back a little bit. You're right. You're right, commenter. And all of you who agree, you're right. Absolutely right. The owners can do whatever they want. This is a free country, a capitalistic society. The NFL is a private business. But it still doesn't mean the owners aren't wrong, and it doesn't mean the referees aren't right. The owners are wrong here. The referees are right. And Roger Goodell is merely acting as a puppet for the owners. I mean, for this commissioner, who hands out several thousand dollar fines for wearing the wrong undershirt, or wearing your socks too low. I mean, that commissioner, who thinks the length of your socks jeopardizes the integrity of the game, somehow thinks... Having incompetent officials out there isn't a detriment to the integrity of the game? Come on. Unbelievable. And I just said last week on the show, the NFL referees, to our knowledge, from what the Referees Association says, and no owners have denied those claims, so I would assume it's true. 
the referees aren't demanding more from the owners. Every current official was hired by the NFL with the promise of a defined benefit pension package. The league wants to eliminate that pension plan and replace it with a new defined contribution plan with decreased funding by roughly 60 some odd percent. The referees are arguing that the current officials, who likely made life-planning decisions based upon the guarantee of that pension, should still receive it. The referees have compromised over the past week, and the compromise is that all new officials hired would be enrolled in the new defined contribution pension plan. But the NFL owners, as of this recording, still aren't budging. And as I said, the NFL is a private business. The owners are within their rights to withhold these pensions from the current referees. They can bargain them to take lesser pension plans. But as I also said earlier, that doesn't make this right. That doesn't make the owners right. This doesn't make it good for the league. The NFL is a nine-plus billion-dollar industry. Peter King of Sports Illustrated did the math out weeks ago in his Monday morning quarterback column. It would cost each owner a mere $63,000 per season to keep this current pension plan intact for the current officials. That's all it would cost, sixty-three dollars per owner. I have a difficult time backing the owners. I really do. All of whom wouldn't miss the sixty-three dollars it would take to get the real referees back and restore uh, integrity to the game. And restore the on-field product to the level we have come to expect from the league. As a fan, if you haven't taken notice of this, you're being screwed. You're being taken for granted. And I in no way, shape, or form can get behind that. Well, well, you keep watching, right? Did you watch Monday night? Did you watch Sunday night? Did you watch Sunday afternoon? You're still watching. So, what difference does it make? You're watching. You're going to games. You're buying merchandise. You're playing fantasy football. You're betting in Vegas. Owners are still getting money in their pockets. Their revenues aren't hurting. They don't care. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad my viewership is so highly valued then. I mean, what happened to doing the right thing? What happened to doing the right thing morally? What happened to doing the right thing to serve your customer base? The NFL just is treating its fans right now like addicts. You're being treated like a drug addict, essentially. And you're going to take whatever your dealer gives you. Whatever your dealer has on tap, you have to take it, because you have nowhere else to go. I'm fed up up to here. I really am, and you should be too. Some say, oh, well, both sides need to figure it out. No, both sides do not need to figure it out. The owners need to figure it out. They need to pony up the 63 grand per team to give the current referees their pensions back. New referees can get the crappy pension plan. Fine, referees have already compromised on that. The owners, do you think they've moved an inch, judging their behavior in the lockout last season? No, of course not, because these owners get off on leveraging the little guy. And I'm sorry, I'm a capitalist, I believe in the free market, but I just can't get behind that. I can't get behind these multi-billionaires leveraging Ed Hockley into submission. I just can't do it. And as a result, you, the fan, are getting screwed and getting a crappy Frankly, illegitimate plot product. That's what you're getting right now. And players are getting hurt. Soon your favorite player may be carted off the field. Darius Hayward Bay was carted off after getting smashed by Steelers safety Ryan Bundy on Sunday. No call. Helmet to helmet hit. Hayward Bay knocked out. No call. Fine. Matt Schaub and Tony Romo took headshots. Joe Mays on Matt Schaub. Ooh, headshot. No flag thrown. You can get away with that now. 
All this talk about concussion prevention, player safety, all for naught. Because what's more important, player safety or saving $63,000 per team? I guess the latter. Ed Reed laid out Dion Branch last Sunday night, helmet to helmet. No flag, no nothing. Players have lost respect. Coaches have completely lost respect. John Fox a week ago was fined 50 grand. Bill Belichick may be fined five times that for bumping into an official, borderline shoving an official, grabbing an official. After the Sunday night game, Patriots-Ravens. After the Justin Tucker field goal and the litany of atrocious calls there. You had players tweeting, I just read a handful of dozens in the opening of the show. If players and coaches had no respect for the referees a couple weeks ago, huh, that's multiplied somehow after the events of this past week. And it's happening all across the league. Seattle Green Bay happened on the national Monday night stage, and that's indisputable that the referees cost the Packers that game. Was an interception, clear as day, and they got it wrong in real time and got it wrong on the replay too, which is beyond egregious. But you go to Lions and Titans in overtime. Titans tight end Craig Stevens caught a pass. Lions linebacker Steven Tullock got flagged 15 yards for helmet to helmet. Oh, it was called there. Every once in a while, it still gets called. Most of the times, it doesn't, though. Inconsistency. Another huge thing with the referees. We don't know what a penalty is anymore. It's like watching the NBA. You don't know what a foul is in the NBA anymore. You don't know what a penalty is anymore in the NFL. Replay ruled that Stevenson didn't catch the pass call was overturned, but the penalty still stands. So instead of backing up to where the play began and measuring the 15 yards from there, the officials instead marked a 27-yard penalty against Detroit. They gave the Titans 12 free yards. On the possession, they won the game on. Tennessee kicked the game-winning field goal right after that. Not indisputable that the officials cost the Lions that game, but pretty damn close. And they cost the Lions the game by not knowing the rules, by not keeping track of where to mark the football, giving the Titans 12 free yards. This game is turning into a disgrace. Goodell looks like the biggest hypocrite on this planet. He makes David Stern right now look like a man of the people. How he makes Gary Bettman look like a man of the people. This is all over billionaire owners wanting to scale back on the referees. Who, by the way, are skilled laborers. You know, everyone on the right wing says, Oh, pension plans, we've got to get rid of that. You know, I say pension plan to a staunch right winger and, 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 his, and his her blood begins to boil. The anger seething out. Yeah, well... Pension plans for referees are different than pension plans for government workers. Government worker pension plans? I agree with you, man. The taxpayer pays for that. We gotta look into government pension plans. But the NFL's a private business. And referees? It's pretty clear now. The real referees are skilled laborers. You ever look at the pensions that the guys on Wall Street get? Multi-million dollar pensions there. These referees would just cost the owners an extra 63 grand to give them their pension back. In the private sector, pensions are handed out, too, to skilled laborers. And it should be clear now if it wasn't already. The real NFL referees are skilled laborers. And I'm sorry. I can't take the owner's side here. I can't. In no way can I do it. I can't sympathize with Roger Goodell, who's being a puppet to the owners. The man who finds you three grand for wearing the wrong undershirt doesn't deem it important enough to solve this referee issue. Really? Yeah. Priorities are in order there, Roger. Roger that. What a disgrace. What a joke. The NFL deserves it. The NFL deserves the ESPN telecast, the NBC Sunday night telecast, its broadcast partners, 
spending four hours, guess how long these games take now, questioning and nitpicking at every call, the league deserves it. They deserve the attention to be away from the players and on the referees. And I feel bad for the players, I feel bad for the coaches. They don't deserve this. But like the fans, they're just pawns in this whole thing. They're pawns in this whole scheme. It's a disgrace. An absolute mess. And it's been building towards this. And now the inevitable has occurred. The replacement referees, indisputably, have cost a team a football game in front of a national TV audience. It, get wor it gets worse by the week. In 24 hours, we'll have, officials, we'll have replacement officials taking the field for week four, baby. I wonder what this week will bring. Let's take a break and go to first down. So amidst this officiating nonsense, believe it or not, they are playing football games. And there's a lot of wacky stuff going on. In terms of on-field play. And I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with the officiating. But it is worth mentioning. Playoff contenders. Playoff teams. Super Bowl contenders. From a year ago. Are sub-500. And one of them, New Orleans Saints, is winless. The Patriots. Entering week four. A matchup at Buffalo. Are one and two. The Patriots lose this Sunday at Buffalo. Where they lost last season, by the way. They'd be one and three. This is a must-win game for the Patriots in Week 4. The defense allowed 500-plus yards against Baltimore on Sunday night, which begs the question, does this New England defense still suck for the fourth consecutive season? They allowed 500-plus yards against Baltimore on Sunday night. Was the defensive improvement against Tennessee in Week 1 and to an extent Arizona in Week 2 all a mirage? All result of playing mediocre quarterbacks, Jake Locker, then Kevin Cobb. Patriots faced a legitimate NFL quarterback, not a good one, but a legitimate one in Joe Flacco, a competent one in Joe Flacco in week three, and he just picked them apart at will. The Patriots' defense improved as the season went along last year, but their schedule got a lot easier too. The secondary was atrocious on Sunday night. Devin McCourty got beat all night long. The final touchdown to Torrey Smith, by the way, incredibly inspiring performance, obviously, by Torrey Smith. But that last touchdown to Torrey Smith in the corner of the end zone, McCourty was behind that play. On Smith's first touchdown, Kyle Arrington was way behind him. And then on the final drive, McCourty, trying to protect a two-point lead, gets beat by Jacoby Jones, big first down. Patriots allowed nine plays of 20 yards or more. Couldn't stop Ray Rice either when the Ravens decided to run on Sunday night. And then the final pass interference call, egregious on McCourty's part. He was beat by five feet. So he had no other choice but to grab Jones's, uh, grab Jones's shoulder pads and yank him down. Obvious pass interference. Even the replacement goons got it right. The Pats got no pressure either on Flacco. No sacks. No hits. The one sack they did have was uh, negated by Brandon Spike's holding penalty, which was an atrocious call. But still, no sacks? Really? No pressure? Horrific play in the secondary? McCourty got beat up and down the field all night long. The officiating was bad on Sunday night, but it's not the reason why the Patriots lost the game, folks. Defense allowed 500-plus yards. Devin McCourty got torched like he did all year last year. Does this pass defense still suck? Does this Patriot defense still suck? Like it has pretty much every year since 2009. Is this young defense not improving? 
That is a big concern for the Patriots. Another concern is the offense couldn't close the game out. After the BS illegal contact call on Ladarius Webb, they went run, Stephen Ridley, one yard, sack, Danelle Ellerby, an incomplete pass. Paul Kruger came in, right side of the offensive line, didn't pick him up. Brady didn't pick him up. Patriots couldn't close out the game offensively either. They scored 30 points, more than enough to win. But they couldn't close it out offensively either. And that's all they had to do. They couldn't do it. Couldn't punch it in. Only scored three, only scored three points in the fourth quarter. Couldn't close that game out. But good thing they ran it with Danny Woodhead 15 times. That's a good play. Send the smallest guy on the field up the middle. That's good. Smallest guy on the team. Woodhead. Up the middle. There you go. Into Haloti Nada. The offense scored 30 points. But all they had to do was get a first down in that final drive. And they got a gift. A BS illegal contact calling Ladarius Webb. And they couldn't cash in. Offense couldn't close. Defense couldn't stop a thing. And the Patriots now 1-2. and two. The Packers are 1-2 and two as well. They did get jobbed on Monday night. But you know what? They almost deserved to get jobbed. Almost deserved it. I say almost because no one deserves what happened. But M.D. Jennings, whoever that is, now one of the most famous defensive backs in football, guess what? He has to bat that ball down. You can't, you don't come up with the interception there. That's what they teach you in the NFL, to avoid situations like that. In all levels of football, not just the NFL, you bat that ball down, man. You don't try to come up with the glory play, the interception, be the hero. No, you bat it down, throw it to the ground. The longer the ball stays in the air, the more potential there is for trouble. And there certainly was trouble on Monday night. Aaron Rodgers was sacked eight times in the first half as well. Seattle has a great defense, great pass rush. Chris Clemens, Bruce Irvin. Great pass rush they have. Good linebacking core. Seattle has a good defense, man. They can get to the quarterback. But seriously? Eight sacks in two quarters? Against the Green Bay Packers? Someone had a bad game plan going in. It was Green Bay. Who consistently makes mistakes like that throughout the course of a football game. Especially the end. You gotta have someone coach those situations. Jump ball in the end zone? You bat it down. You don't try to be the hero, come up with the glory interception. Mike McCarthy's a great coordinator. He's a great offensive mind. Not necessarily a great coach. And Dom Capers, the defensive coordinator, is up in the booth there for Green Bay. He's not even on the field. So is anybody on the sidelines coaching a guy like Jennings and telling him what to do in situations like Hail Mary pass, end of a game, bat it down, don't come up with the interception? Obviously not. Because the referees botched it on Monday night, but so did Jennings. He should have batted that baby down. Steelers are 1-2 and two as well. Raiders dominated the second half against Pittsburgh on Sunday. The Pittsburgh D allowed Oakland to score three touchdowns and two field goals on their final five drives. And what was the X factor here for the Steelers' defense besides possibly age? Well, Troy Palomalu, out of the game, didn't play. Again, lending credence to that theory that the Steelers' defense does a complete 180 when the star safety Paul Malu is out, which he was on Sunday, and the Raiders beat up Oak, uh, beat up Pittsburgh. Denver lost as well. They're one and two. Haven't won since week one. Came back late against Houston, but it wasn't enough. The Broncos fell behind by 20 points. Peyton Manning went 26 for 52. Started awfully slowly. The Saints are 0-3 as well. The defense has been wretched this season. Gave up a lead late in the second half to Kansas City. 
Without Sean Payton, they look completely lost. The offense can't close it out. The defense looks atrocious, even more atrocious than last season. And statistically speaking, at least, they were pretty bad in 2011. The Saints are 0-3. And 0-3 teams don't make the playoffs often. They really don't. They've looked lost without Sean Payton. They really have down in New Orleans. And that came against Kansas City at home to give up that second-half lead. Come on, can't do that. And the Eagles are 2-1. But they got smoked by Arizona over the past week. And Mike Vick has been wretched this season. Andy Wolf gave Andy Reid gave him a vote of confidence heading into the Giants game this Sunday night. But Reid also said in the same quote that um, the options are still open as far as the quarterback position. But for this week, Vick would be the starter against that Giants D, against Jason Tuck, Jason Pierre-Paul, OCU Minora. Mm. With the way the offensive line has played and the way Vick especially has played, not sure how much I love Philadelphia this week, considering they only scored six points on Sunday against Arizona. Mike Vick this season, 38.8 quarterback rating, three touchdowns, six interceptions, 55.2 completion percentage. In today's NFL, that's not good enough, not even close. Three weeks of poor performances for Mike Vick. The Eagles could just be just as easily be 0-3 as they are 2-1. Snuck away from Cleveland in the opener, snuck away in week two. And then got killed on the road against Arizona in week three. Moving on to our second down segment. It's the biggest off-field story of the week. And of course this week, once again, the replacement officials. We ranted and raved on that though enough at the beginning of the show. So I just want to briefly address the issue here in the second down segment. We touched upon it earlier in the program. I'm sure we'll touch upon it as long as this lockout, as long as this referee dispute continues. People still watch the NFL. Even with all of this horrendous officiating. Absolutely right. But it is worth noting. Monday night ratings for week three of this year were down 3% from last year. And this begs the question, over time, will the casual fan begin to lose some interest? I think one of our first litmus tests, if this Monday night wasn't won, is the game tomorrow night. Thursday on the NFL Network. Baltimore, Cleveland. Thursday night games are usually poorly played games anyway. They're never good games Thursday night. They're always slow. They're always poorly played. Always a lot of penalties accumulated. Teams don't really put forth the best game plan. Why? Because they only have three days to plan for it. Thursday night games are never that good anyway. And with the replacement officials in there, if it's going to be a three and a half hour, nine to three game, between Baltimore and Cleveland, which it very well could be with those two teams on a Thursday night. I don't really care to waste my time with it. I really don't. And I think a lot of casual fans may feel the same way. I mean, again, the Thursday night games are never good. It's the, that's another money grab by the owners. Put a game on Thursday night. It's not the best product out there for the fans. It's not the best product. It's a subpar product. Nobody was clamoring for Thursday night football. The owners threw it out there. Why? Because they can. They can make money on it, so they do it. Integrity to the game, quality of the game, eh, who cares? You know, consideration for players, eh, three-day week, you know what? Gotta take it, put some more money in our pockets. They're bad games. It's not the best product, not at all. When the real referees were there, the game sucked, frankly. And now they're going to be three-and-a-half, four-hour marathons? Baltimore-Cleveland could be like a 9-3, 3-hour, 45-minute game tomorrow night. No thank you. No thanks. I'm not a gambling addict. I'm not a fantasy football nerd. 
So maybe I'm a regular, you know, maybe, maybe the gambling, maybe, maybe that's why I'm not as captivated by Browns, Ravens, three and a half hour, nine to three marathon tomorrow night. But I think you're going to see less casual fan involvement if this continues. I really do. We may have seen the first sign of it with the 3% drop in ratings this past Monday night. And again, this Thursday, Baltimore, Cleveland, we may see a more precipitous ratings drop from a season prior. Heading on to our third down segment, it's the Big Up Slowdown segment. I say a statement, and then I give you my agreement with it by saying Big Up, or disagreement with it by saying Slow Down. An esteemed panel selects these questions. It's an intensive review process, so let's get it underway. Big Up or Slow Down. Darrell Rivas tore his ACL on Sunday. He is out for the year. Big Up or Slow Down. This injury will hinder, greatly hinder, in fact prohibit, the New York Jets from making the postseason. I say big up here. Number one, you knew the injury was bad the second Revis got carted off the field because he tore his ACL without making contact with anybody. And injuries like that, you know they're bad when you tear an ACL without making contact with anybody or anything. And I say big up here because Darrell Revis is an MVP candidate. He's one of the most valuable players in football, especially in today's day and age with the prevalence of the passing game. He totally changes the way the Jets play defense. With the way Rex Ryan draws up defensive schemes, all the obscure blitz packages he likes to put out there, his life is so much easier when Darrell Rivas can be trusted to just hold down his side of the field. Leave Rivas on an island against a number one receiver, and you're fine. You have nothing to worry about. It completely changes the way that Rex Ryan now will be able to orchestrate his defense because guess who's taking Rivas' spot? Kyle Wilson's the guy, at least on the Jets roster right now today, who's going to get most of the snaps, and uh, Kyle Wilson, my friends, is no Darrell Rivas. I mean, he almost cost the Jets the game on Sunday due to that pass interference call late against Miami, game-tying field goal. Jets did score, of course, in overtime. Nick Folk hit the game winner, but Darrell Rivas to Kyle Wilson, that's a massive, massive downgrade. Without Rivas on the field, without Rex Ryan being able to trust one side of the field to Revis, without Rex Ryan being able to trust Revis to be left on an island against the opposing team's number one receiver, completely changes the way the Jets do defense, completely changes the schemes that they draw up. So big up. I think this Revis injury is huge for the Jets and will prohibit them from making the postseason. The Arizona Cardinals are undefeated. They are 3-0. Simply put, big up or slow down, are they for real? It's tough. The win against Philadelphia this week was pretty convincing. Then again, I don't think the Eagles are that good. But they were in the backfield all afternoon long against Vic. Played great defense against New England on the road in Week 2, which I think is a far better win than Philadelphia. But they beat the Eagles by such a large margin. I think they'll have a large sway um, in the public realm. But I still say slow down because though I love their defense, I love Cornelius Campbell, I love Darnell Dawkins on the defensive line, Patrick Peterson is a great athlete, a great playmaker, always around the ball in the secondary, and that's the best attribute a corner can have, someone who's always around the ball. I love their defense, I love Larry Fitzgerald, but the problem is, who's throwing the ball to Larry Fitzgerald? Kevin Cobb and Fitzgerald did hook up for a touchdown this past week, but the first time that's, that, that's the first time they've done it all season. It's still a quarterback's league. And the Arizona Cardinals with Kevin Cobb do not have the quarterback. And the NFC West features two teams with great defenses and great pass rushes. San Francisco, and you saw it on display in full on Monday night, Seattle. It's a tough NFC West this season. Two terrific defenses, 49ers and the Seahawks. Cardinals 3-0 is a great story, but I'm still not sold on them because of the quarterback. Atlanta is 3-0. Same question, pick up or slow down, are they for real? For the regular season, and that's what we're in now, 
I say big up. They still have to prove it to me in the playoffs, but the playoffs are a long ways away. Heading into week four, the 3-0 for Atlanta is legit. Because no one else in that division can play defense. Carolina, second consecutive year, can't play defense. New Orleans, can't play defense. It's a down year in the NFC South. The division's wide open for the taking. They've opened up the offensive playbook, given more latitude to Matt Ryan. He's taken advantage of it. Michael Turner had a big game on the ground last week at San Diego, so the Falcons still showing they can run the ball when needed. John Abraham's had a nice year rushing the, rushing the passer thus far as well which definitely helps out that secondary, which is without Grimes due to injury. So, Atlanta's legit. They went on the road to San Diego to the West Coast, won this week, a big win. Always a big win when an East Coast team can go to the West Coast. So I like the Falcons. I like what they've been doing. It's a weak division. For the regular season, I'm buying. Big up. They are for real. Talk to me in January. But entering the final weekend of September, big up. I'm buying on Hotlanta. In the final big up or slow down segment here, the San Francisco 49ers did look like one of the better teams in football heading into week three, but they lost to Minnesota at the Metrodome. The 49ers are now 2-1. The Vikings are 2-1 as well. Arguably the biggest surprise victory of week three. Even more of a surprise in Kansas City coming back late against New Orleans and Oakland coming back against Pittsburgh because the 49ers looked like world beaters. So big up or slow down. The Vikings went over San Francisco is a legit victory. I say big up. I do. Especially because the replacement goons give the 49ers a free timeout. And that Toby Garrett fumble late in the game, right? Jim Harbaugh calls a timeout, then throws a challenge. You can't do that. You can't call a timeout, then throw a challenge. And they didn't take the timeout off the board. They gave him his timeout back because he got the challenge right. Even though technically he called a timeout, then challenge, that should have been it. Out of timeouts. So the replacement referees almost jobbed Minnesota in that game too, but the Vikings held on to win. Christian Ponder had a big game, ran for a touchdown, showing some mobility in the pocket, something he hasn't done that well yet. Had a tremendous throw off his back foot to the tight end Rudolph in the end zone early on in that game. A tremendous throw right on the money, corner of the end zone, under pressure. Ponder looked very mobile in the pocket on Sunday against San Francisco. Faced that pass rush real well. Looked like a pro back there. Big game for Christian Ponder and his development. A big win for Minnesota. And I will say one thing in regards to the 49ers offense. Alex Smith has to throw it Randy, to Randy Moss more often. Moss had three catches on Sunday afternoon. He's got to be involved more. I know the 49ers didn't intend him and don't intend him to be an every down receiver at this stage in his career. But you signed Randy Moss. It's a passing league. You need to have that explosive threat down the sidelines in some way, shape, or form. I, I'm not a slave to it like others. I think you can win at a high level without it. 49ers showed us that last season. But you have a guy like Randy Moss there. you got to utilize him more effectively than only using him for three catches and only targeting him uh, a small amount of times. Alex Smith has to find a way to get Moss involved in the offense just a little more frequently. Not a lot more. Don't base your whole offense around him, but just a little more. Heading into our fourth down segment, it's the Reamer rant. And no, we're not rehashing the replacement officials rant. That's for next week's show. But this week, I'm ranting about Pete C. Carroll. Pete Carroll, coach of the Seattle Seahawks, the man who ducked out of Dodge in USC once the sanctions came on down. The man who hit the ground running. The man who came off as such a tool on Monday night. Pete Carroll said at the end of his interview with Lisa Salters, good call. Yeah, good call about the Golden Tate touchdown. Really? Good call? Come on, man. 
He got away with murder. In the NFL sense, obviously. That's hyperbole. But still, you got away with the win, man. You got away with it. That's highway robbery by NFL standards. And you have the audacity to sit there in front of a national TV audience and say, Good call? Good call? Say nothing. And he was back at it again yesterday. Tuesday afternoon, Pete Carroll said he thinks it's cool. The NFL agreed that Tate caught the Hail Mary. Yeah, real cool, Pete. That the officials got it wrong on the field, the officials got it wrong in review, and the NFL got it wrong in review. Cool. Real cool, Pete. That it was the most bizarre ending, frankly atrocious ending, the worst ending to a Monday Night Football game in, in history. Go that far. Real cool, Pete. That the week has become a mockery now. Real cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. I'm jacked and pumped. Real cool. That the NFL agreed Tate caught the Hail Mary. Real cool. Yeah, if that's an example of the NFL covering its you-know-what, then I don't know what is. That's the height of being disingenuous. I don't know what is. Real cool, Pete. Awesome. Real nice. Awesome. Real cool. Good call. Good call. NFL agreed that Golden Tate caught the Hail Mary. He got away with the win, Pete. And the NFL, since he got away with murder, shut up. Shut up. You can coach defense. Congratulations. You're a fun guy to be around. Woo! Neat! Grab a few drinks with you sometime. But as far as your public demeanor, give me a break. What a phony. Sanctions hit down on USC, and I'm hitting the ground running. Running the Jets program into the ground. Running the Patriots program into the ground. Going to UFC. Winning titles. Oh, sanctions are coming down. Oh, off I go to Seattle. Making the playoffs as a 7-9 team. Getting away with murder this past Monday night. And it's cool, man. It's all cool. The NFL agreed with the officials. It's awesome. The NFL agreed Golden Tate caught that. Oh, Mary, good call, refs. Shut up. You got away with the win, Pete. You snuck one by the league. You snuck one by the replacement goons. You got away with one. Accept it and shut up and move on. Cool. My goodness. In case you can't tell, I think Pete's Car Pete Carroll is a clown. Pete C. Carroll. Clown. Absolute clown. You folks, though, are not clowns for bearing with me this week. Hopefully, you got some enjoyment out of uh, me losing my mind again for the second consecutive week here. Week four begins tomorrow night. Browns-Ravens. And if it goes any, and if the replacement officials take the field in 24 hours, well, another week of replacement refs. As always, feel free to get involved in the program. Send me an email, areamer at bu.edu is my email address. Also, feel free to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at alexreamer1. And like last week, if you have any comments on the material discussed on the show this week, as always, feel free to leave a comment on the show page on footballnation.com. So long, everybody. I truly thank you for listening. Hopefully, the show gets some good discussion going. That's my goal each and every episode. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back to break down week four. And everything else around the NFL, next Wednesday. So long. Talk then. Next Wednesday, right here, footballnation.com.